Good evening. My name is McLean Rabb, and what a joy and what a privilege it is to get to preach God's word to you and to you, Michael, at your ordination this night. Um, I'll introduce myself. My name is McLean, and I serve as an associate rector up in North Carolina at a church called Good Shepherd Anglican. Uh, I get the privilege of calling Michael Mayo one of my best friends and dear brothers in Christ. I've known him for 12 years. We met at the University of Texas at Austin as freshmen, Hook'em Horns. We met in a Christian fraternity. I remember as a freshman, he had this awesome Beatles mop top haircut. It looks a little bit better now, Michael. We got to live together in college with eight other Christian men for three years. And for two of those, we shared a room. And when we graduated college and went on our ways, I never thought that I would live in the same geographic area as Michael again. But lo and behold, God in his providence and kindness had it be different. My final year, 2017, at Gordon-Conwell Seminary, Michael began his first year at Gordon-Conwell Seminary in a small town called South Hamilton, Massachusetts, i.e. somewhere you've never heard of. Maybe some of us. It's been a delight and a gift to call you a friend and a brother, Michael, and I rejoice at what the Lord has done and is doing in your life. And of course, tonight is not about my friendship with you. My sermon is not about my friendship with you. Tonight is about what Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has done. Tonight is about what Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will do as he sets you apart and anoints you by his spirit through the laying on of hands by Bishop Neal to be a priest in his church. It's about what he's going to do through you and for the kingdom. Tonight's a huge, magnanimous moment. You are entering a beautiful and a joyful and a serious calling. And so as you do that tonight, Michael, I believe what the Lord has for me to share both with you and with you, church, are four exhortations and encouragements for you as you step into this calling as a priest. Four things to be wonderfully and always clear on as you step into your calling as a priest. And church, though this is a message that's primarily directed towards Michael as he steps into the priesthood, know that you too, whether you are ordained, whether you are a lay person, whether you're wise or you're young, you too are called to ministry. And so I pray and believe the Lord is going to speak to you as well. Four things to be clear on joyfully as you step into the priesthood. These are going to come through three of our readings that we've looked at. Isaiah 6, Ephesians 4, and Luke chapter 10. Four exhortations and encouragements. The first one that I want to start with, Michael, is this. As you enter into the priesthood tonight, brother, may you know tonight and always that your ministry as a priest begins with him. May you know always that your ministry as a priest starts with him, with Christ. We see this beautifully in Isaiah chapter 6. I love how the profound prophet starts his book. Did you realize what the number was of the chapter when Isaiah tells us his story of being called to ministry? Isaiah starts his prophetic book. The first five chapters are not about him, but it's about God and his declaration taking precedence. God's declaration of judgment and God's declaration of redemption. Isaiah's story doesn't come into the picture until chapter 6. And I think Isaiah does that on purpose. 
I think in part because Isaiah knew and wanted to communicate that ministry and calling always starts with him. You see this in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says it this way. He's talking about these different giftings and leaders that Christ has called to his church. And then in verse 15 and 16, he talks about this idea that we are to build up the body in love and that the body has a head and his name is Christ. Christ is the head. He's the starting point. He's the alpha and the omega, as he says in Revelation. He is mission control for kingdom work. He's the starting point. And it's not just that God is this abstract starting point. It's not just that he calls you out of any vacuum. It's his very grace for you. That is the start of your ministry as a priest. His grace, his atonement for sin on your behalf as Christ hung on a cross for our sins to redeem us and to give us a new name and a new life and a new identity, that grace is the starting point. Do you notice in Isaiah 6 that Isaiah does not even recognize, it seems, the calling of God until God first, by grace, atones for his sin and cleanses his woefully unclean lips. Then he hears it and says, here I am. Be clear as you step into the priesthood tonight, Michael, that ministry as a priest tonight and always starts with him. As a body that has no head, cannot thrive, much less live at all. A priest who is not serving with Christ as the starting place will not thrive. And of course, this is a warning. It's a warning against this American credo that we all have deeply in us. Like if I just pull myself up by my bootstraps and I work hard enough and I put my mind to it, I can do it. It's a warning against that. But it's also an encouragement and it's gospel that ministry starts with him. Because it means that you didn't call yourself. He called you. He appointed you. The one whose word goes out of his mouth and is never returning void is the one who by his word has called you to the priesthood. And what good news and gospel that is, brother, on the days as a priest when you're going to feel like you're not enough. And when you're going to hear the hot voice of Satan saying, you're disqualified. What gospel news it is that you can respond on that day with, yeah, I have sinned. I am imperfect, but I didn't call myself. He called me. You can stand on the unshakable promise of the unshakable king who called you, brother. So tonight as you step into the priesthood, be clear always with joy that it is the starting point, not yourself, but Christ. Second point to be clear on. Be clear with joy, brother, on what your calling is. Be clear on what your calling is. In other words, be clear with joy that your calling is not to do everything, but is to equip the saints for ministry. Ephesians chapter 4, this is what Paul is saying. He's talking about these different giftings and leaders that Christ has given to the church. Apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers and shepherds. And in that, Michael, you are gifted in some of these ways. Beautifully and wonderfully, the Spirit has placed those things in your heart. But we can't miss the all-important verse 12. Why has God appointed these leaders? Why has he given these leadership gifts in the church? Why don't you look at the bulletin again? Verse 12. 
Verse 11 and 12, Christ gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be shepherds and teachers. Why? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Church, that's you. You're the saints. You're the believers. And Michael's call as he steps into the priesthood church is not to do ministry on his own. It's to equip you to do the wonderful and the joyful work of ministry. So Michael, as you step into the ministry of priesthood tonight, be clear that that's your call, to equip the saints for ministry, not to do it all. Not to feel like you have to be the Lone Ranger. Your calling is to equip the saints for ministry. And don't get me wrong, as a follower and a beloved son of Christ, you are called to evangelize and to make disciples. You're called to seek justice and righteousness for those who are suffering. As a priest, you're called to live into those things to be an example to the flock, but never lose sight that your calling by the Spirit as a priest from the Word of God is to equip the saints to do ministry. And we need to hear this. Us priests and deacons, we need to hear this because sometimes it's really easy to think I'm called to ministry, which means I got to do it all. And church, we need to be reminded of this because sometimes we get caught in thinking, we don't think it, but we functionally live as if Sunday morning is kingdom consumption and the guy up there is the paid professional kingdom worker. If I just bring them and hand them off, my work's done. The reality is, Brother Michael, be clear, you are called to equip the saints for ministry and church. Your heart is, I want to come to worship. I want to learn from my priests and from my deacon and from my bishop. I want to learn from them so I can go out and make disciples and be the light of the world. Third point to be clear on, brother, as you live into this way of equipping the saints for ministry. As you live into this calling of equipping the saints for ministry, be clear on what you are to proclaim and the provision from which that proclamation comes. Be clear on what you are to proclaim and the provision from which that proclamation comes. What do I mean by what you proclaim? Be clear that as you equip the saints for ministry, as a priest, brother, that you proclaim the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of the heavens that have come in the King Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, our gospel reading, Jesus is giving, he's sending instructions to these 72 disciples. We see at the start, he gives them these kind of interesting instructions, take essentially nothing with you. Then a little bit later on, he gives them the proclamation. Verse eight and nine, whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what's set before you, heal the sick in it. In other words, demonstrate the reality of the gospel through what you do. And then proclaim to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. In parentheses, that means proclaim the gospel to them, the good news that God's saving and wonderful kingdom is breaking in through the person of Jesus Christ. And then he says, if you go to a town and they reject you, nevertheless, proclaim to them that the kingdom of the heavens has come near. Jesus is saying, be clear, the proclamation as I send out those who I have called is to proclaim the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of the heavens. It's the same thing Jesus proclaimed as he comes. Mark chapter one, repent and believe the good news. The kingdom is at hand. 
It's the same message the apostles preach in the book of Acts over and over again. Repent and believe in Christ for salvation, for forgiveness of sins, for filling of the Holy Spirit. And it's the message you are going to proclaim as you equip the saints, brother. That Christ the King has come. He has brought his kingdom. And by his death on the cross in our place and his resurrection and power and his sending of the Holy Spirit, he is in the business of redeeming and renewing and inviting people into new life and new family and new ways of living with the Father. And as you're clear that this is your proclamation, know that you're called to proclaim the fullness of the gospel. Tonight, as Bishop Neal examines you, you're gonna affirm, praise be to God, that you believe the Holy Scriptures contain everything necessary pertaining to salvation. It doesn't say part of the Holy Scriptures contain everything necessary to salvation. It says the Holy Scriptures. Proclaim the fullness of the gospel from the fullness of the word. Tonight, as you hear the exhortation from Bishop Neal, He's gonna remind you that you're both called to be a messenger, as the book of Isaiah says, with beautiful feet of the gospel message. And you're also called to be a watchman of the Lord, as Ezekiel says. You're called both to teach the flock and to warn them. As Anglican priest Jeff Chapman calls it, you're called to proclaim both the gospel yes and the gospel no. You're called to proclaim both the reality of picking up our cross and denying ourselves daily and the life that comes in following Jesus in that you are to proclaim the gospel through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. And as you're clear on this message you proclaim, the fullness of the gospel, be clear on the provision. Those are weird instructions Jesus gives. Take nothing on your journey. No money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. In other words, take nothing that would sustain yourself as you go on this journey to buy food and and housing and hospitality. None of that. Why does Jesus give these weird instructions? I think in part it's because he's teaching his sent ones. As you go out in kingdom mission sent by me, I provide. I sustain. I'm going to have houses appointed for you. I'm going to have people that are going to feed you. The provision comes from the Lord in this gospel proclamation, and it still does today by the Holy Spirit. As you step into this priesthood tonight, brother, rejoice in the reality, but by the Spirit, you will have all the provision you need for this ministry. The Holy Spirit, who is going to anoint you tonight afresh, praise be to God, is the one who is going to give you the words in your hour of need. He's the one who right now and always in your ministry will be interceding in you with groanings too deep to understand. He's the one when you need boldness because you've been beaten down who's gonna give you that new boldness for the sake of witness. Brother, by the provision of the Holy Spirit in you, you're gonna preach the word, you're gonna preach the gospel, and you are gonna see the Lord change lives. He's the provision. You're wonderfully gifted, Michael. You're highly intelligent. You've gone to two really academically rigorous, respected institutions. You're empathetic. You're caring. And God has given you these gifts. But he's given them to you. He will be your provision. 
And what good news that is. Our hope without God is like a match that's been wet. We have intellect and reason, but it only goes so far and my intellect can't change a heart. You are a clay pot, redeemed, but still clay, but you have this treasure inside of you that is gleaming and beautiful and the strongest treasure and the greatest treasure of the world, the Holy Spirit, who can change hearts. During this Lent, I picked up a really small spiritual discipline of saying this breath prayer throughout my days. And I encourage you as you step into this priesthood tonight to maybe take this breath prayer up at the start of your ministry. Really, really simple. Lord, not on my shoulders, but in your hands. As you step into the priesthood tonight, brother, be joyfully clear on the reality that you are to proclaim the fullness of the gospel and that it is the very spirit of God inside you who will provide as you do so. And last, but certainly, certainly not least, and I'm kind of cheating here because I'm giving three in one. <laughs> Be clear, brother, above all else, as you step into the priesthood tonight, of the grace and the joy and the love of Christ for you. We already saw in Isaiah that grace precedes the calling. But the reality is it doesn't stop there. Grace abounds for you. Think of Peter over and over again, blundering Peter, making mistakes, wrong assumptions, denying Jesus. And yet with a repentant heart, Jesus rebukes repentant Peter. He challenges him, but he always restores him. Think of Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, well into his ministry and calling. And there's a messenger of Satan afflicting him and a thorn in his flesh. And he asks Jesus, remove this thorn from my flesh. And Jesus says, my grace is sufficient. Not it was back then, but it's run out. Not it might be or it will be for a little while. It is ongoing, always sufficient for you, abounding for you both in your ministry victories and your ministry failures, be clear that God's grace abounds for you. Added to that grace is God's joy. Like ministry is hard. <laughs> There's gonna be broken hearts. There's gonna be times where you feel exhausted, but also expect and be clear that there's gonna be joy in ministry as a priest. When these 72 return, we don't see it in our gospel reading, but if you were to read a little bit further, verse 17, 17 to 72, they return with what? Joy. Because they've seen God working through their hands and their words. And there's good reason they have joy because gospel ministry reaps joy. You're going to have joy, Michael when you preach the word of God. You're gonna have joy when you see hearts changed by the gospel. You're gonna experience joy when you administer the sacraments to Christ's beloved sheep. You're gonna experience joy when you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, get to see someone freed from bondage and oppression. You're gonna have joy, brother, when you hear the words of the Lord over you, well done, good and faithful servant. You're going to have joy as you equip the saints for ministry and you see them making disciples. You're going to have joy as you see the sheep that you serve 
understand all the more that they are beloved sheep. Added to that joy and most importantly of all, be clear that you're gonna receive the love of Christ for you. Not only when you have your collar on, but even apart from being a priest. Be clear tonight as you step into the priesthood of Christ's love for you. At the end of this account of the 72 being sent out and coming back with joy, Jesus says this profound thing to them. They've had success in casting out demons and healing the sick. And Jesus says this in verse 20, do not rejoice. First, he rejoices with them. And then verse 20, he says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In other words, rejoice in the reality that you are a beloved child of God. Rejoice in the reality that the words that the father says over his son at his baptism, you are my beloved, with you I am well pleased, are the words he says over you by the blood of Christ. I remember when I got married to Mary Moore, who is my wife, we got married by Bishop Terrell Glenn and the sermon he preached at our wedding, essentially the idea was in order to love each other as you're vowing to do so selflessly in the ways of Christ, you have to live loved by Christ daily. And it's no different in ministry. As you serve Christ's beloved sheep as a priest, as you seek to love them well, the way that you're going to be able to do that is if you live loved. You live in the awareness that not because you're a priest, not because you work for a church, not because you're a longhorn, although that could be confusing, I could see where you, but because you are a beloved son, because of what Christ has done in your place. So brother, tonight, as you step into the priesthood, be clear that your ministry starts with him. Be clear on what your calling is. It's to equip the saints for ministry, not to do it all. Be clear of what the proclamation is as you live into that calling to proclaim the fullness of the gospel and the reality that the spirit is the one who provides for you. And be clear above all else for the abounding grace, joy, and love that Christ has for you as you do this work. May your ministry as a priest begin, find its fullness in, and end with Christ. May you start your day with him. May you celebrate the sacraments with him. May you preach the gospel with him. May you baptize and welcome people into the family with him. May your ministry start, have its fullness in, and finish with Christ. I want to close with just a short little story here. It's really small, but it's profound in my memory. I remember our senior year at the University of Texas at Austin. We have 10 stinky, immature guys, but guys who love Jesus living together. And Michael and I share a room, and I walked into his room one day, and all of us were in this phase of starting to look at what are we going to do when we graduate. And we were having job interviews and starting to apply at places. And I came in, and Michael was furiously working on his computer, focused. And I said, what are you doing? Like, what, what's going on? And he said, I'm working on an application for seminary. And Michael did not go to seminary right after graduation. But I remember that really stuck with me. Like, whoa, <laughs> he's a senior in college and 
Like God's already nudging his heart to ministry? It's a profound memory in my mind of you. And after that, you went to D.C. and you did a year at Falls Anglican Church and you did a fellows program with them and then you did a stint as a consultant in Washington, D.C. Bless your soul for that. And then you went up to seminary in Massachusetts for three years at a place where they have these crazy weather events called bomb cyclones that are so bad it makes people move to places like Florida. Eight years from that day I walked into the, door, into the room and you're working on a seminary application and you're already sensing a call to the ministry. Eight years after that, you sit here tonight. ready to be set apart by the Holy Spirit as a priest in God's church. He has not left you. He has not stopped loving you. He has led you to this point and he will lead you further. And you, brother, have faithfully trusted him through all the whines and the curves and the waiting. And here you are tonight. May those last eight years be a testimony for the next eight, for the next 80, Lord willing. May your ministry flourish as a priest, Michael. May it flourish with the joy and the peace and the presence of Christ. And may you know all the days of your life, even apart from being a priest, that you are his beloved. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much. First and foremost, above anything and everything, we thank you that you have called us into life with you. When we were turned with our backs to you, running away, seeking things from wells that were broken, you called our name. You died on a cross. You rose in power. You sent us your spirit so that we could be your beloved sons and daughters. We thank you for that, Lord, and I thank you that you have called Michael to serve as a priest in your church. Thank you for the ways you've led him to this day. Thank you for the people you have surrounded him with. And thank you, Lord, for the many things you have ahead of him. In a sense, this is just the beginning, and we give you thanks, Lord. So we love you, we praise you, and we pray it in the name of Christ. Amen.